0: Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles crossover Thursday. I am joined by Darian Gray at South Exclusives, the mouth of the South, the host of Locked On HBCU. And we're going to talk A little bit about the topical thing, right? Some Travis Hunter, Deion Sanders, Jackson State. But more importantly, if you haven't listened to Locked on HBCU, you got to give it a listen. Darren, you did a phenomenal episode. It was when I became a fan about the Celebration Bowl and how that intertwines with the playoff situation where you're almost punished for succeeding too much. And clearly you and I feel the same way about what is an acceptable amount of memorabilia in apparel to have for your alma mater at all times, your Texas State alum. Uh, Texas
1: we got t- Southern.
0: Texas Southern, I'm sorry. The, that's right, the real TSU, you said the that. The real
1: TSU, baby. Now, remind <laughs>
0: me, so where is Texas Southern? Are they in the SWAC, or where, where are they on the landscape of F- FCS, HBCU college football?
1: So they play in the SWAC uh, in Houston, Texas, the middle of Houston, Texas. So right there in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Right there with Prairie View, Jackson State, which we will get into in a little bit. Uh, FAMU now, Bethune-Cookman, Grambling. A lot of schools that I think a lot of people kind of relate to football really quickly. Um, I think that if you look at a lot of HBCUs, a lot of people think Grambling. Now they think Jackson State. They might think of something. You know, uh, FAMU is now there. So I think there's a lot of schools that when you think basketball, or excuse me, football, you immediately think a lot of swag teams.
0: Yeah, man. And again, don't, don't let me drive too much. I mean, we got, we're in one of those little uh, learner's cars, right? Let's put a steering wheel (laughs) on both sides. You know, let's take it, uh, let's take it where it goes because I want to start with the Travis Hunter thing, but in that, you know, I want to talk kind of about your experience and really educate our listeners and myself on the HBCU experience, because I think I have, if you guys want to know, go back to Monday's episode. I give my full breakdown of how I think the barstool thing went down. I, I'm not. A, I don't think there's a signed, inked deal, but I also think Travis Hunter's a smart kid, and I think Dion probably let him know who Dion's affiliated with. And he, but the reality is, it was one. If it was 1.5 million dollars, my mom would slap me if she heard me say the words "only" in front of 1.5 million dollars. But when you look at what Travis Hunter is going to make throughout the course of his career, what he would have made at Georgia, right? Even before NIL, sorry Bulldogs, but let's be honest here. It probably would have been more than $1.5 million. So there was clearly a deeper selling point there, right? It was clearly putting HBCUs on the map, shocking the world, bringing it back. So as both an alum of an HBCU and someone who covers them for a living, first give me your initial reaction to what you thought when you heard the news about Travis Hunter, and then kind of just walk me through what you think the sales pitch was based on your experience. Like, what was Dion telling him? What did he see on his official visit that he probably didn't see anywhere else?
1: Um, my initial reaction is, sure, is this is this <laughs> for real? Um, just honestly one of shock. I was completely caught off guard. I know that he took a trip there, you know, a visit. But I didn't really think too much of it. I, He's a Seminole through and through. If If Georgia couldn't get to him, why would I think that Jackson State could? So that was my initial reaction of one of oh this is for real. But why do I think he went there? What was the appeal? Um, Max, did you play did you play
0: football or any sports as, as you were growing up?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Fo- yeah, football, wrestling, and then one year of baseball won the little league championship and called it a day. That was not for okay. Me. What position did you play in 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 football? So this is this is kind of hard to believe now because I've slimmed down a bit. Uh, played some quarterback till eighth grade, and I actually played a bit of defensive end, kind of outside backer type deal. Um, you know, I was sort of that lean, lanky guy uh, until I saw Nigel Bradham tackle someone my junior year uh, and realized I was a much better wrestler than I'd ever be a football player, and I had no business being out there. And uh, yeah. So okay. Now let's follow this. Let's say you're a quarterback.
1: Let's yep. say Tom Brady is a. Coach at Jackson State. Let's just use Jackson State for this example. Yeah. Think about the ability to learn as an expert from the expert. You have the greatest quarterback of all time right there. Let's think about if you're a a defensive end. You know, you have Lawrence Taylor in his right mindset saying, hey, I want you to come play for me. I can show you everything that made me one of the greatest players to ever exist, to ever grace a football field at the position that you're trying to be that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to come learn from me? You know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and act like I know all the wrestlers, you know.
0: You think the right. wrestling no, no, I'm, thinking, all,
1: all. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about Kurt Angle no, with no, no. a broken well, freaking hey, neck. It, it, too, <laughs> right. you know, no, it, it goes a level
0: deeper too, right? I think I think your point is well taken, but there's there's like level two to it, right? Is this kid of course is a lot like Dion, right? So it's almost like a, you know, it'd be like a Trevor Lawrence and Tom Brady, right? They have that kind of same mindset, the way they act versus like maybe a Baker Mayfield, you know, you can imagine the in-home visit between like a super serious Tom Brady and gosh, only knows what Baker Mayfield was like when he was 16, you know? So yeah, right. you're right. It's, it's first that that position appeal and then it's like they get each other on that level too. Like they're very yeah. similar. And then one other thing is Deion
1: was his idol. Mm-hmm. That like, Not only is Deion the greatest cornerback to ever live, he's his idol. So as much as Deion Sanders means to everybody, Deion Sanders means even that much more to Travis Hunter. Because if I looked up to you my whole life and now you're saying, come play for me, that that feels like a dream come true to me. So I would love to go to my idol school and get coached up how to be as great as he was at his position. It's it's just a match made in heaven, especially as a kid at 17 years
0: old. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is, and this was, I, I've seen this after my initial Monday video on it, um, There, there is a real selling point for Dion of kids also being successful under him, and look at the numbers his son's put up. I mean, Shador's numbers this year are nuts. It's like, I think he has like 30 touchdowns to eight picks. Um, it's just like, okay, look, you can actually put up real numbers, you can actually get noticed. Um, the thing I want to get into next is, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the effect that this has more of the downstream effect that this might have for HBCU recruiting. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, you win the championship. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is that how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, it has everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes, close your books, all while staying ahead of the competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. So head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D. So yeah, so... Travis Hunter very much said, you know, he was doing this kind of to put HBCUs on the map. Now, I'm not going to take back what I said about he probably could have done it a little more respectfully. Maybe don't throw the Florida State hat. Um, But I think the point, especially about Dion being his idol more than Florida State is, is a great point. The funny thing is, I said on our episode, I remember when he took the official visit, my take, and this is like now the coldest take I've ever had. Like the worst, the worst thing I've ever said recorded was, we should be really excited that he took his visit there to go hang out with Deion Sanders because that means he's definitely not going to Georgia. Well, I guess I was right about the Georgia's part of that, you know, <laughs> like uh. So anyway, I, I want to talk though about about what this means for kids, maybe like a Travis Hunter that want to go to an HBCU. Because I'm of two minds: one, I could see people following him, but two, I worry if it's almost like. He is so athletically gifted. He is so smart with the football. You watch the—I mean—that highlight from the state championship. Like he—he he looks like uh, it looks like that Ronaldo highlight where somehow he just keeps floating an extra second until he grabs the ball, and you just see this kid play, and it's like you're going to the league no matter what. But as a four-star who is a very gifted athlete and a very good player, but needs to improve in college and needs the exposure of an Oklahoma, a Bama, a Georgia. Hopefully one day when we get better at Florida State, like, are you almost doing him a disservice to get him to maybe go to a different level of football not realizing like how athletically gifted you are? But then I also think, well, if enough kids start doing it, then there won't be a lack of exposure. So I know it's a lot to unpack, but that's just kind of my unfiltered thoughts about it. And I want to hear kind of your thoughts of what this means for the larger HBCU landscape, trying to recruit bigger name recruits.
1: Okay, so this is like an episode of Locked on HBCU right here, like that question right there, unpacked in a multitude of ways. So let's try to get into it and and dive into what it means. So let's go to the first one, because I think that your second way of thinking is the more optimistic and maybe I'm just an optimist, but hopefully more realistic way of thinking. But the whole thing about. Four stars, maybe not one to come. So here's the thing. Is there's no exposure, these things, right, these certain things that people a lot they'll say a lot. And I think that one thing needs to be looked at Jackson state had eight of their 11 games televised, whether that's on ESPN, U two or plus they were exposed. Right. So that's one thing. And they're not going against themselves. So they're they're playing somebody. So you're getting exposure. And I talked about this on my last episode. If you're a receiver going against Travis Hunter, you better bring your a game because people are looking. Mm -hmm. I don't think that exposure is as big of a deal. And as things grow, the exposure will too. And the, yep. and the certain things that I feel like a lot of people say about HBCUs and reasons you wouldn't go there, I'm not going to see and act like they're just out of the blue and you just pulled them out of nowhere. However, that comes with a stagnant mind. What do I mean by that is, yes, you can look at HBCUs and say, oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. However, no one who is trying to grow HBCUs plans on staying the same. Right. So, yeah, you can say those things, but we're about trying to uplift and grow the hbcu brands athletically the way they're respected and that comes with somebody having to start off with the change and that has to be travis hunter the change is uncomfortable so i understand why people be like why would you go there they don't have this thing they don't have that thing however if nobody ever went those things would never come to be and if you're okay with that you're okay with that i personally am not okay with
0: that do you do you think it's kind of like yeah, we're going to go super deep here, folks, but um, I'm, going to try, I'm going to try to stay above where it, it's almost the opposite, right, it, of when you talk about in these tough conversations where, like, people who kind of have privilege, like, are the ones that actually do need to get involved, right? It's like because he's going to the NFL no matter what, he's the kind of kid that needs to go to HBCU because, you know, he can say, look, and I still went to the NFL, right, versus, like, a kid that's maybe teetering on the edge and something like that, I, I don't. I guess. I guess no. I'm thinking about it totally differently after you. After you I, said that, is like, yeah, someone had to do it, and why not? The somebody kid that's had, had a sure shot. So I. I, it, I
1: don't think that though, because the only reason I say that is because I think that still kind of looks at HBCUs almost as a way that it's not that good at developing talent. Look at the Darius Leonard situation. Darius Leonard, he didn't need to be on top of the world to come and be one of the best linebackers. So. Like, I don't think that that's what you're saying, but I will will say it doesn't have to be, well, you're a sure thing, so go there. Does it help? Yes. However, I think looking at it as sure things go there, it kind of takes out the fact that HBCUs have coaches and they have people who can develop you. So you don't need to come in as a star in order to leave and be drafted. You know, a lot of times those guys aren't there and we still have people who are getting put into the league. So. I don't, I don't think Perfect. that you have to have this sure thing in order to go to a uh, to an HBCU.
0: Well, we got Marcus Kushney from uh, Alabama State last year, I'm, I apologize I don't know if is Alabama State an HBCU? Or... Yes, yes, Alabama okay. State okay. HBCU so, in the sweat. But I was looking at it right, FCS and it was pretty astounding. I think it's and this number will sound low, but put into context, like I want to say like 10 percent of active NFL players came from the FCS, which if you ask most people, they, they'd guess it was a percent. Or they might even say like, "Oh, I don't know. There's maybe ten of them." So I think you're right, and and I like that. You know, I think the whole point of these conversations is when you can see yourself doing something and develop. Of like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a perfect athlete. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, And you pointed something out that I did want to highlight. FCS ten percent, (laughs) right? When you look at it, why can't HBCUs be looked at as equal to FCS? A lot of times, people act like it's HBCUs when having these conversations. HBCUs, Alabama, like like there's a large percentage of teams in between HBCUs and Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, LSU. Like it's a big percentage, Georgia. It's a big percentage in between you have group of five teams, you have FCS teams. And I I look at it. I don't think that people are questioning. Look at Trey Lance, uh, Carson Wentz, both top picks out of North Dakota state and FCS. So I don't think that it's just you all of a sudden have to go from Grambling being an HBCU to being the most dominant team in the, in the college football landscape, but Hey, allow them to be one of the best teams in the FCS. That alone will start getting more coverage. That alone will start getting that type of respect. Those teams get respect more so than an HBCU. Let's start leveling up. I'm not saying it has to be a huge jump, but a step up and and it's a process.
0: And do you think it's just, frankly the nature of them being hbcus that they get held to sort of a, like an unfair standard where look if travis hunter went to north dakota state i i believe because i like to think most people are good people and i think sometimes i say things where you know i'm like oh yeah that's maybe i do need to open my mind a bit um but i would probably have the same exposure talking points this that the other but as you're talking it's like yeah i mean you, there's a lot of kids like you said don't even in the FBS, don't play for Alabama and still have very long, successful pro careers. I mean, how many folks do you see, like, on Monday Night Football, when they say they're college, you're like, I, I no idea someone from theirs ever made it to the NFL. It's like, you know, or they say, so, yeah, I, I guess you're right. It's like, why are HBCUs held to the standard? And now this is obviously a conversation that's been going on for like a week um, amongst our fan base, but broader of like, oh, well, if you don't send all 22 of your starters, to the NFL, then there's no point in going to an HBCU. It's like, well, what I, I think that I think I'm just kind of reiterating your point, but I think it's a very insightful point. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's a good talking point to bring into the conversation of you can do a lot at an HBCU that you can do at any other FCS school. And, you know, look, I've got friends, our gambling expert that comes on day domino. He played D two football. Some of his, some of our friends who play Xbox with played D three football. Like that is some for love of the game shit. Right, like there is a reason people play football at every single level, and it's not just make it to the league or bust. And you know, it sounds like you definitely thought about this, and it sounds like HBCUs kind of are held to an unfair standard of that sort of. You're not developing talent if you're not sending everyone to the league.
1: Yeah, uh, I would I would agree with that,
0: and I think that's a good pivot to sort of what, what I want to talk about because I find it just fascinating. And you did a wonderful episode on it, so I won't make you repeat it all, but that is what's the solution to getting FCS schools, or sorry, HBCUs um, out of the SWAC and out of the MEAC into the national conversation, into the playoffs without getting rid of the what the Celebration Bowl is and the reason it exists in the first place. So I think first we have to back up. And can you just briefly explain how there's the two main conferences The you know, just explain what okay. the Celebration Bowl is for those that this may be a new issue for
1: Okay. If this if let's let's dive into it, right? So the celebration bowl is essentially the winner of the SWAC and the winner of the MIAC going against each other to decide the black national champion, right? The HBCU national champion. That's what it is. It's a game meant to do that. What is the SWAC? What is the MIAC? Those are the two major FCS, which means uh I think Football one double yeah, Two A. I don't exactly know how to explain it. Yeah, it's what it
0: used to be one double A. So it's like it's so, D one, but one when, uh, Basically, all right these teams there. play D1 basketball, and in football, we divide them up exactly. into like smaller so subsets.
1: That's the best way to quickly explain it. Those are the two FCS HBCU conferences. It's all HBCUs in those conferences. You have some HBCUs who reside elsewhere, North Carolina A&T in the, in the Big South, um, Tennessee State, um, in the Ohio Valley Conference. Mm-hmm. So they exist otherwise, but the MEAC and the SWAC go against each other. And the problem that we're alluding to is the the SWAC championship starts the week after or the week of, I think it's the week after, actually, yes. It's the week after the FCS playoffs even start. So if you're the best team in the SWAC, the MEAC doesn't have this problem as much because they don't have as many teams now. But in the SWAC, if you're the best team in the SWAC, you'll never play in the FCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. You'll never. So we just seen Jackson State had this really good season it didn't end the way that they wanted to but they were a really good season they had a really good season they were deserving of being in the playoffs but because you were the best team in your conference you had to play in your SWAT championship game and then you had to go to the celebration bowl and i find it difficult i haven't even found the answer you know like i would love to have all the answers but i don't even have the answer to where we can make it to where you can send these teams off to the fcs playoffs without making the celebration bowl Worthless. Um, I, I kind of came cool. with the decision of have them play and maybe work it out where you have an automatic qualifier where the winner of the Celebration Bowl goes to the playoffs. But that was something I came up with like literally two well, hours before this.
0: Why not? Why not do it like the the New Year Six Bowls at the Power Five level, right? Where the champion of the ACC goes to the Orange Bowl every year. But if they go to the playoff, then you get you know the the runner up of the ACC would go. So like this year. The, the, where, where it gets messed up is the SWAC needs to move their championship back. Yeah, right. You have to move that. That has but to you could have it be. Right. But you have it be. Okay. So Jackson state wins the SWAC. Let's say it's two weeks earlier. So they're going to the playoffs. So then FAMU goes to the, or maybe FAMU, maybe they get two teams in and you kind of go down the list that way. So, you know, you, And I, that I was know. what I said originally,
1: but I just, I didn't want it to run into the place where it felt like the celebration bowl was like a runner up, a, a, here you get second place because in a way I feel like that devalues that. And it's, it's a really tough conversation in a sense where you want to have all your teams be able to be on the largest scale, because there's going to be a good amount of right. people who will always say you play HBCU football. You're not even playing FCS teams in the playoffs. And they'll, they'll be able to stay within that bubble and they will be able to ignore it because if it's right here, I don't have to see right here, but if it's right here, I have no choice, but to it's in my face. You have a team Jackson state going against North Dakota state. People are going to check it out. They're going to have to. Right. Jackson State going against South Carolina
0: State. I can
1: choose not to look
0: at that. Well, it's like you said. I I to, now to be fair, this is any FCS team, but I didn't realize Jackson State had eight games on national television this year. Again, yeah. it's also because I have my daughter every other weekend, and I was doing school <laughs> this year. But next year, I will have four TVs on my wall, and I will uh, I will definitely catch a few of them. But I, you know, it and, and this is a hard conversation to have too, right? Where you look at it's important to how do i put this my understanding is there are a lot of people who feel that it is important to have things you know that are your own because it, that were originally meant to fix situations that you were put in discriminatorily but then i wrestle with you know how do you you don't want to devalue the celebration Bowl because of what it means to HBCUs but then you know when i hear like well why do you, not why do you need a, a black national champion. I I don't mean it that way, but it's almost like, are you kind of devaluing the product a bit to say, well, you know, we're gonna have our own championship. And I know that's not the case. I just, I think it's such a hard balance to find from the outside. Am I making sense?
1: Yeah, I think what it is, is it was created because you were not allowed, right? Right. So you were not allowed in, and you look at it, I think, fam, you won the first, one double A championships, football Mm -hmm. championships and i think the 70s um so it's not as if they could not compete but it was a lot of times just you weren't let in so you did not have that opportunity and even now i mean now i think scheduling takes that opportunity away but it's a it's a way that it's called the celebration bowl because ain't nobody else gonna celebrate right and that's why it's called the celebration Bowl. i don't know if that's literally why it is but that's what i have taken in that's my own personal meaning of it but it's like if nobody else is gonna celebrate you and put you in fcs or do these these things for you we're going to make sure that you are not forgotten Mm -hmm. people will not forget the first year of Deion sanders and people won't forget south carolina state pulling off that upset because people could easily just be like all right well south carolina state they had a season they won the MiAC, there was five teams in the MiAC. okay whatever but now with that celebration bowl you're looking at people like Shaq davis you're looking Mm -hmm. at things like that because you won't be forgotten You will now be that champion and you'll be remembered. So I think that's that's the great part of it. And that's why I don't want to devalue it by saying, well, we have bigger things to worry about. So we'll send this team over here, over there. It's just...
0: Well, some of it's probability. I mean, let's just be honest. Like the the chances of winning a 16-team bracket for any team that enters is low, right? So it's like, you're kind of on this no-win scenario where if you say, okay, we want to keep our champions and have them play in the Celebration Bowl, then a critic can say oh, okay, you don't want to play the national competition. But let's say you do send them, and people lose in the first round, or they lose in the second. And frankly, the people who are saying that you don't want to play competition, let's be honest, until you win three national championships in a row, they're not going to give you credit anyway. So it's like there is kind of that element of, you know, not caring what people say, frankly, and saying, well, we have this for a reason. We know the reason for this, and it's important to us, and we're going to keep doing it. But I just – it does feel like there's a way to find that balance, I will say. Watched yeah. the full Celebration Bowl this year, not for altruistic reasons. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed every minute Great. of it. I was Great. in a bad place, you know. I was very angry at Deion Sanders, and I was, was like, this is incredible. Well, well done, <laughs> South
1: Carolina State. It, 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 let me say something about that to those who say you got to win three national championships. Those people exist. There's going to be yep. a certain level of people who are, or amount of people who are going to agree with you no matter what. There's going to be a certain amount of people who will never come to your side. I can only focus on those 80% you know, those people in the middle, those 50% in the middle, because overall, those people are not going to be swayed. They're either going to mm-hmm. be with you or against you, and they're not going to move. So I can't worry about the people who just, well, you lost in the first round. You are waiting for us to fail.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And in, Sorry, one last question, then a last question. Um, okay. I, I, do you, so we saw Deion Sanders coaching at NHBCU. Um, we saw Eddie George. He's I believe, is now coaching. Is he, oh gosh, where? Tennessee coaching. State. Tennessee State. So there, look, I, I think that, and I've said this on Twitter and I've gotten arguments with people, but I think the way to do it is how Heinz Ward did it, right? He's going to coach at FAU and he's going to start at position coach and work his way up, but there's an alternative method. Some people think they're ready for head coaching. That's what Dion thought. And Hey, he just won 11 games, right? Just won 11 and two, or I guess 11 and three at the end of the season with one of his losses to an FBS team. That was actually a pretty close game. Um, And he's, proving, frankly, myself and and a lot of people wrong. And now he's got the number one recruit in the country. So do you think more highly touted African-American athletes like Dion, like Eddie George, are going to see HBCUs as a way to jumpstart a coaching career? And I guess what I'm asking is, in your opinion, do you see kind of a a trend developing where you'll see more of these great athletes saying, hey, I'm going to go build up an HBCU the way Dion did or the way that we're hoping Eddie George will?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it'd be a great option. No longer are people looking at HBCUs as last resorts. Mm-hmm. That goes for athletes. We've seen with Travis Hunter. That goes for coaches. If you want to start off coaching, I mean, some people are going to use it as a springboard. Some people are going to really see the value in building up an HBCU. You're going to have both of those people who come, right? And that's just, that's just life. But I do think that some former coaches might look and say, you know what? I can bring people in. And actually, you go check out for all my locked on Seminoles people. After we finish talking, go back and listen to my Tuesday episode where I do detail an NFL to HBCU pipeline, giving okay. HBCUs a star player or personnel or coach that could be connected to them. So it's a, it's a fun conversation. To have fun. One more thing, just on the sense because um, we didn't have a question about this, but I did want to talk sure. about HBCU versus a uh, a primarily white institution, right? And some, yeah. might wa- some might wonder what is the appeal in it, whether you are an athlete or if you're a regular human being, just a civilian, right? Going to get an education. Um, I think it's a sense of community versus family. All yeah. colleges are communities. You've places to eat, you have places to sleep, you have places to study. You know, you're gonna have a lot of people around. You have all of these things, You have shelter, like shelter, right? You have things that'll make up a community. It's a lot of people around a lot of people. That's everywhere in college. But I think for the most part in HBCU culture every person I, I know from HBCU I was actually talking to my friend from Morehouse one of the many esteemed HBCUs you know right um, I went to Texas me, Southern right down the road so I went to Texas Southern an esteemed HBCU right there in Houston so um it's this sense of family where everybody wants you to win mm-hmm. you know and something we talked about before with Travis Hunter just to bring it all full circle to, ath- to the athletics Will people be like, man, we got to compete against the guy. So they're a little bit bitter. I don't think so because I think people understand this will be a certain, ah, dang, we got to go into the guy. But for the most part, it's a you win, I win because we understand it's elevating. At Texas Southern, just a simple meaning of I went to TSU. I was at the gym. Oh, you went to Texas Southern? You have your Texas Southern uh, shirt on? That alone is a talking point. That alone is a I want you to win. Let me put you in with this company because Mm -hmm. I've seen – I've seen the struggles we all understand the struggles that come with an HBCU we all understand the downside and maybe they look down like Texas A&M put up a poster and said this poster is worth more than your degree when playing Prairie View A&M this year that was a sign that one of their fans put up terrible sign but I say that to illustrate the point where we understand those experiences we understand how you are looked at a lot of times and it's just a situation where we want to help you succeed. We succeeded. Pull the next man up. No crabs in a in a bucket type of deal. It's just a, I want you to succeed. And I think that you get that more so than anything. And to wrap it up really quickly to talking about the athlete, there's a certain fear or distrust of possibly becoming a commodity at some of these power five schools yep. and the sense of you're only as valuable as you are on the field, on the court, whatever your sport is, where I've seen it. You know, this dude makes a bad pass, they act like this dude doesn't deserve to live. You know, that or he decides to transfer because hey, Tallahassee just isn't the spot for me anymore. Are you ain't worth nothing? Da-da-da-da. Or we don't want to be in Baton Rouge. Those type of things happen at Power Five at Power Five schools. And I think for the most part, you're a person who happens to play a sport at HBCUs and you know, you're good. We love you for it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it doesn't matter. However, your whole worth is not tied there. And I'm saying that's the way everywhere but there is a certain level of fear that that could be the case as sometimes other schools. But I don't think that that is the fear there. It's, it's, you just happen to play football. You do something that's great. And we appreciate you for it, but you are a, you're a person, you're still a regular person. You're not just a football player first.
0: So I brought up one, there's kind of two points on that, you know, cause I think, I think first, when you talk about that, right. Not being commoditized. Um, I think you hear that echoed a lot with athletes who join, um, uh, gosh, I can't remember the acronyms. I'm sorry, it's been too long. But who who join black fraternities, right? Um, yes, and ha- yes, you know they get branded. They go through real hazing. They do all that. Like it's or not you. that anyone hazes, but you know. Thank whatever. you for not butchering it. But right. yes, yes, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Understand. But you see it right. Like you see you see the Q brand on some of these guys, right? You see them throwing it up, like. And you kind of hear like that was sort of what they were looking for. They felt like that was the one place where at least when they were freshmen, no one gave a shit how they were doing on the football field. Um, And because of that, people liked them for more than what they were doing on the football field. Um, But what I want to touch on is the alumni base, because when we had Phil go from one foot down on here, talking about Notre Dame, he brought up how that is a great selling point of Notre Dame is they have this great alumni base and, you know, heaven forbid, you tear your ACL and you can never play again. Like, you're always going to have that, I was a Notre Dame football player, here's all these businessmen we'll set you up with. Is that, a? Pro- it sounds like that. that's a selling point for HBCUs too, right? If if you're not able to go pro in football for whatever reason, or that's just not your path, do you feel like an HBCU as an African-American young man gives you a, a better network and a better alumni base than maybe just being another football player out of Florida State?
1: Yes, I I really do, because it's not just the football player aspect like Mm -hmm. there's a student athlete right that's what they call all athletes student athletes but i think there's a fear that you become an athlete student and the athletes placed first and it's just just your well-being just who you are um people want you to win like yes you weren't able to succeed at linebacker but it's not just that you weren't able to succeed it was that you went to texas southern it was things like that where you don't have to I, i i can't lie i never went to a predominantly white institution i went to hbcu right that's my experience so it's kind of hard for me to reach and say, well, they don't do this at, at, at those mm-hmm. institutions. Just the same way it's hard for you to say, they don't do that at that institution. Right. But I can tell you that there is a sense of family where it's a everybody wants to win and you don't have to belong to a particular group in order for people to want that. It's a campus-wide situation. And as a
0: football player, you happen to fall under that umbrella. Nice man. Yeah, look, I think this has been an awesome episode. I appreciate you coming in, especially on short notice. Um, I think it, look, folks, I, I hope y'all got as good of a perspective on the HBCU angle as I did. Um, and again, 72 hour rule. Guys, we're done with Travis Hunter. Flush it. You know what? Here, here's the one thing I will say about Travis Hunter. And, and I thought of this when we were kind of having our conversation before about like, you know, people are like, oh, crap, now I got to play against this guy. You know, you saying, well, everyone wants everyone to do well. No one's ever won a national championship because of a cornerback. Let's all relax. It wasn't like, now look, if Jameis Winston had made the same decision, I don't know if I could have gotten over it in 72 hours, right? Like when he was supposed to go to us Alabama, that may have been a little different, but good for him, man. I look, I hope it works out. I'm Dion is Dion. I mean, you know, whatever, but it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm going to go check out the Tuesday episode. Uh, I suggest all y'all do. If you want to learn more, Darian does again full episode on the celebration bowl and the scheduling issue, which I found really interesting. Um, And just a lot of cool stuff about HBCUs that, especially if you spent four or five years in Tallahassee and you've never really delved into that with FAMU being right there, you should, you'll learn something. So Darren, mouth of the South, South exclusives. Thanks for coming on, man. It was great to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And everybody for, or everybody for listening. Oh, that was butchered. All right. And everybody listening guys, y'all know the drill. Make sure you follow me on social media at MaxMoody17. Make sure you guys follow the pod. Make sure if you're on YouTube, you like the individual video, you hit that bell for notifications, and you do all the things I always ask you to do. I'm Max. That was Darian Gray, the mouth of the South. And this was Lockdown Seminoles.